0: to nathan out loud i'm your host nathan trainer thank you for listening to nathan out loud you can follow this podcast on my website nathanoutloud.com you can also find me on twitter at nathan out loud, and please email your comments and suggestions to me at comments at nathanoutloud.com. In this episode of Nathan Out Loud, you will hear my interview with Kirsten Cinema, Arizona State Representative and author of the book Unite and Conquer. We'll also play the first single by emerging artist Matthew David and cover the latest developments around the legislation to overturn the failed Don't Ask, Don't Tell policy of the U.S. military. But first, my interview with Kirsten Cinema. Kirsten Cinema serves as the assistant leader to the Democratic caucus in the House of Representatives and represents Central Phoenix in the Arizona legislature. Now in her third term, she is the ranking Democrat on the House Appropriations Committee and the House Judiciary Committee. Kirsten holds both a law degree and a master's degree in social work from Arizona State University and is currently pursuing her Ph.D. in the School of Justice and Social Inquiry at ASU. She is an adjunct professor in the School of Social Work at ASU and practices law when not in session. Kirsten also serves as faculty for the Center for Progressive Leadership, teaching tomorrow's community leaders about the political process. Kirsten has worked on initiatives in Arizona and around the country for a number of years, and in 2006, chaired Arizona Together, the first and only successful effort in the country to defeat a same-sex marriage ballot initiative. In 2008, she chaired Protecting Arizona's Freedom, the coalition that defeated Ward Connerly's effort to place an initiative on the state ballot to eliminate equal opportunity programs. She continues to consult with political groups around the nation on electoral and legislative strategy. Kirsten serves on a number of community and national boards, including as Board President of Community Outreach and Advocacy for Refugees, the YWCA of Maricopa County, Center for Progressive Leadership, and the Young Elected Officials Network. Kirsten is the recipient of awards for her political leadership, including the NAACP Civil Rights Award, Arizona Hispanic Community Forum's Friend of the Year, Planned Parenthood's Legislative Choice Award, Sierra Club's Most Valuable Player, and the Arizona Public Health Association's Legislature of the Year. Kirsten's first book, Unite and Conquer, How to Build Coalitions that Win and Last, is now available by Barrett Kohler Publisher. We are very lucky to have Kirsten Sinema with us today, and we are talking about her new book, Unite and Conquer, How to Build Coalitions that Win and Last. Thank you, Kirsten, for being with us today.
1: It's my pleasure, Nathan.
0: Well, I just finished the book, and really um, kind of an eye-opening experience <laughs> uh, in terms of the the political work that I've been involved in um, over the last four or five years, um, you know, it you talk about a number of things that I'd really like to delve into a little bit. Um, but you start out the book talking about the old school handbook of politics and kind of how that came about, um, you know, mostly around 1994 with the Contract of America and, and things like that. How do you see that uh, as really impacting the last almost you know, two decades of, of our politics.
1: Well, you know, years ago, state legislatures in Congress, you know, had both Democrats and Republicans serving. But there was this understanding that there was friendships and relationships kind of underpinning all of the work. And so people would, you know, debate on the floor, and then afterwards, they would, you know, go out for a drink together, or go hang out and have dinner together, and they take their kids on vacations together, and that really changed in the early 90s. And a new mindset kind of came to America, um, I think, courtesy of the book contract with America, but right frankly, the Democrats didn't do much to help either. And it really polarized our country between, you know, quote, liberals and quote, conservatives. And people weren't allowed um, to build relationships or create friendships anymore. And we became incredibly polarized. And I think that has been one of the greatest disservices to our country um, in women's history, is to have this extreme hyperpartisanship that separates us from each other and actually punishes people who try to work with people who are different than themselves.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you, you go into the new ethos, um, which I think we all kind of witnessed um, with the, the campaign and, and election of, of Barack Obama. Um, tell, talk a little bit more about that.
1: Well, you know, the nice thing about having younger people um, getting involved in politics is they just don't think in terms of black and white. They don't think, like, you are good and they are evil. What they think is, okay, yeah, we're all people, we all have flaws, but, like, can we just stop yapping at each other and see down and do some work?
2: You know? Yeah. We're really
1: <laughs> both oriented, yeah. and they're not very interested in, you know, these divides that are based on ideology and philosophy. They're much more interested in practical and pragmatic solutions, and, I think that's so exciting because it means we can get so much done. You know, we don't
0: spend time like calling for meetings and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think one of the great um, kind of bonuses in your book, um, you call it the bonus box at the at the end of each chapter, um, kind of summarizes what each chapter is about and gives really action items. You know, kind of things that you can take action on and to really live the the. Main spirit of the book. Uh, how did you come up with that idea? Uh,
1: I'm sorry. Which idea?
0: The the bonus box at the end of each chapter.
1: Oh, um, yeah. So I don't know about you, but um, I get bored when it's all just monotonous for a long, long time. You know? And also, <laughs> I'm a <all> busy. So <laughs> what I really like to get from people, if I'm reading something or learning something is um, I want to, you know, easily summarize at the end so that it's not boring. And also so that if I'm in a hurry, I can just sub that it and be like, oh, quick refresher, okay, move on.
2: <laughs> so that
1: was really, for me, it's quite selfish.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I like
1: to have a quick little summary at the end, and I really thought that it would be useful for other people. So yeah. I hope people like it, um, but it was really for me.
0: <laughs> kind of the cliff note summary at the end of each chapter. It's it's fantastic. So I think one of my favorite lines or ideas in the book was letting go of the bear and picking up the buddha what's that mean to you
1: um yes yeah, so years ago you know um back to, you know days um <laughs> folks really relied on their fight or flight syndrome which is the part of your body that when something's coming to attack you you have to decide do i run or do i pick up a you know spear and try and kill this thing And that's something that was really, really important, you know, during those days because the likelihood of being eaten by a bear was really high. But today, the likelihood of being eaten by a bear is pretty low, right? Mm -hmm. Especially for those that live in urban communities, right? Um, But we still have that response. It's an automatic response built into humans. And so now what happens is whenever whenever someone calls your name or says something that you don't like or there's something disparaging like your family or your community, we still react in that same fight or fight response, which basically means that we think, you know, do I kill this person or, or do I run? And that's not really helpful when you're trying to negotiate politics or actually make friends with anybody.
2: Mm.
1: <laughs> um, and so really what this chapter talks about is how we, we're going to have that response. You can't turn it off. It's, it's just automatic in humans. But when you can understand that it's going to happen and then figure out how to deal with it differently than just either running or fighting, then you can choose to behave in a way that fits our modern society. And so you can feel your flight or flight response and be like, yeah, that's not you. I don't, I don't need to run. There's no bear. I don't need to be near my bear. And instead, you can choose to acknowledge the, the feeling that you're having and then make a choice about what you want to do. You mm-hmm. can do nothing. You can respond, you can fight, you can flight. you could laugh. I mean, there are lots of choices that we have in today's society about how to respond to a perceived attack. And so the idea of picking up the Buddha is just I know, just kind of a, take some time and take some deeper breaths and calm down and then decide what you want to do using your real brain instead of that bare brain. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know, that's something I really had to learn Um I get really, really like to laugh, and someone says something, I get really angry. And of course, when fighter flight comes in Kirsten's body, the response is always like
2: Yeah, you know, <laughs> I'm
1: never interested in running. But yeah. I'm like, I'm gonna get you. Um, and that's really unhelping, and it made a lot of enemies. Like I was not real popular when I was using my like, or flight like, mm-hmm. response. Um, and so for me, it was just about learning to, like, understand that I'm having that response and then choose to do what I want to do that's going to be more effective.
0: Yeah, and you you coined the term ENSO politics. What does that mean?
1: The idea is just um, really to kind of back up and see that everything's connected and that we can really work at politics from a place of peace and centeredness, mm-hmm. rather than from this frantic part of being angry or wanting to fight back and instead of just being much more holistic about the whole thing and saying, you know, I can choose to come at this from a place of understanding the larger picture and what I really want.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, that's just so, so much more productive, you know, and I think people definitely miss that point um, because of, you know, their agendas. Um, and one of the, most interesting uh chapters for me <clears throat> excuse me was the the chapter on victimhood and identity politics um uh, just because you know most of my work has been in the gay community um you know and reading that chapter was really eye opening in that you know it it especially with what's going on right now with with president obama and the community um there just really needs to be a paradigm shift, I think, in our community and how we approach things. Uh, talk a little bit about why you think identity politics is so damaging.
1: Yeah, this is controversial. Um, not everyone agrees with me on this, and that's okay. But the whole idea of identity politics is, is pretty simple. Like, Many minority communities, um, communities have historically been oppressed or marginalized, the gay community being one, communities of color, disabled communities, et cetera. Um, you know, for a long time, we were really afraid and concerned about our ability to even live and survive, right? And some of that still exists, you know, today. But the likelihood of being um, attacked and killed simply because you're a member of a minority group is somewhat decreased today from, say, 40 years ago, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so when, when you're simply fighting for daily survival, it makes sense. So, like, get everyone like yourself and huddle up in a little group and pick up a bunch of stones and throw them at the people who come to get you, right? Mm-hmm. But if you're interested in getting beyond just your physical survival and getting to a place of equality, you're standing in a circle with a bunch of rocks, not helpful.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: not helpful. What you have to do is figure out, how can I get other people to help me get where I want to go? And for the gay community, it's really important because, you know, we represent about 10% of the community. We represent about 3% of the voting electorate. And so if you want to win an advancement in equality, you're going to need some other people, because 3% ain't going to get you there,
2: mm-hmm. you
1: know. In fact, you need 50% plus one, so you're really, really short.
2: Yeah. <laughs> the idea
1: of letting go of victimhood, I call it shedding the heavy mantle of victimhood. I, I, I call it that because it's so freeing and so enlightening to just, Let go of this idea that I'm a beleaguered minority and everybody hates me and I'm going to go eat some worms, you know? Mm -hmm. Once you stop thinking like that and you realize, wait a second here, like, my neighbor's straight and I'm gay, but we both have to pay our mortgage every month, you know? Like, the guy who lives down the street is straight and I'm gay, but we both got to feed our kids. You know, we're both worried about healthcare. We're both concerned about the rising cost of gas. The truth is we're all really so much more alive than we are different. So shedding the heavy mantle of victimhood is really just making a conscious choice to say, wait a second here. I'm not special. I'm not unique. I'm just like everybody else. And when you use that frame to talk to other people, to ask them to help with a certain project or an issue that you want to advance, using language that shows that we're all the same actually helps people want to be a part of what you're doing. Because when you say, well, I'm really different from you, like you have all these rights and I'm getting screwed over, then they're going to be like, "Uh uh-huh, and why are you whining about to me because I don't care. But when you say, you know, all of us are in this boat together. We all need health care. And everyone should have the right to take care of their loved ones. And everyone needs to be able to visit their partner in the hospital. Other people can be like, yeah, actually, I want those things too. So it creates this much larger coalition that you can work together to achieve the kinds of advancement that you want
0: yeah and I think the most successful um you know case study of that really was your work on Arizona together and you do talk about that in the book um how did you know how did that come together um in in terms of being able to really be the first and only campaign to defeat a same sex marriage uh, ban?
1: Well, you know, it was kind of interesting and and also still very controversial. I mean, it's still controversial in the community. But the initiative came to Arizona, and like most states, it was an initiative that sought to ban same-sex marriage in the Constitution, which, you know, is kind of ridiculous because we already had a state law saying no Mm same-sex marriage. So it was kind of like a, oh, we really, really mean it, guys. Yeah. You know, it it actually didn't make a difference in the daily lives of people. But there was a portion of the amendment that, would have had an immediate and really negative impact on tons of people in the community. And that was a portion of the initiative that would have constitutionally banned legal recognition of domestic partnerships. And in Arizona, we have lots of people living in domestic partnerships. You know, straight couples, gay couples, senior couples, people who love each other very very much and are living together and making a lives together, but for one reason or another, either can't get married or aren't married. Um, and, and this initiative would have taken away all the benefits that they have, like health care through their employer, would have taken away the right to visit each other in the hospital, the right to make end-of-life decisions for each other. There's some really scary stuff. And so, you know, we who were running the campaign said, okay, we know that everybody cares about health care and everybody cares about um, having, you know, the ability to make decisions about your partner during life or death situations and everybody cares about being able to disappear in the hospital. So let's focus on campaign on this broad issue that we all care about. And that's what our campaign focused on was straight and gay couples who would lose important benefits and protections if this initiative passed. It was controversial. Some people in the gay community were like, oh, Cinnamon, you horrible. You're throwing us off the bus. And I was like, are you crazy? Are you kidding? We're driving the bus. Like, get in. Come on. Mm-hmm. Come in. Um, and, and since that time, of course, we won. Yep. The first and only campaign in the country to win. And I'm really proud because today we have domestic partnerships in Arizona. People have health care. People are able to visit each other in the hospital. They can make end-of-life decisions for each other. And that's really important. You know, we, we don't have same sex marriage in Arizona, but I, I believe we'll get that in there. In the meantime, I don't want to sacrifice what we do have to run around and say, oh, you people are bigots. You're so horrible. You know, mm-hmm. That's not useful. Not useful <coughs> at all. Yeah. Um, well, that's kind of how we ran the campaign, and the part that was controversial about it was that some members of the gay community were really more comfortable in this idea of victimhood, like, we are different than all of you, and therefore our campaign must be different, and you must see how we are incredibly different than you, and I was like, we you know, actually were, were kind of all the same.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: talk about that. And it connected with Arizona. People were like, wait a yeah, we are all the same. Yeah. It just different,
0: yeah, and I think the key point is we won, you know. And <laughs> you know, and I think that that's kind of lost in the victimhood, um, you know, because people didn't have the warm fuzzy feeling about us winning the campaign on the merits of us being victims, which is, you know, a key point to to what you're you're saying and writing tell, about. I'll
1: just tell you, I don't want to win a campaign because I'm a victim. Like right. that doesn't empower me at all. I mean, that's like a, oh, too bad for me. Yeah, I don't want to – I do not want to live my
0: life like that, and um, I think most people don't want to live their life like that. Right. Yeah. Um, in the book, you continue to talk about, um, you know, different things like making friends and and uh, identifying shared values and, and interests in that. And then you you speak of the third way. Um, what do you What does the third way mean, and how is that so important in building coalitions? Well,
1: the thing about the third way is really kind of thinking what you learned through the book and putting it all together. And so me that night, I needed to understand that identity politics were only hurting and not helping the issues that I cared about. And making friends is critical to success. Like, making friends is actually my favorite, that chapter five, my favorite chapter in the whole book. Mm-hmm. Because for me, that was the turning point. Once I learned how to make friends with people who are wildly different than myself, I was able to really find ways to connect and advance the agenda that I cared about. But I also... Learn to let go of my outcomes, right? So often we show up and we're like, well, I want that. Well, guess what? You're not going to is not anything, right? Because this is not your world. It's all of our world. And so what we have to do is get together and say, here are the things that I care about. I care about, you know, opportunity. I care about equality. And I want to get somewhere where I see those values in action. And so when you let go your outcomes and find shared ways of getting your values met, you're so much more likely to find a successful solution. So much more likely. And then when you talk about your interests, like why at this table and let's create a plan and does this plan meet the interests that I have. And once you do that, you build this trust with the people that you're working with and boom, you get what you want. And you get incredible. The success that I had in the last four years of being a legislator compared to the complete and total failure of my first year as a legislator is so different. Like, the difference is phenomenal. And for me, it was really about learning how to do those things that I talked about in the book that, that I now term the third way. It's just, it's a whole different way of thinking and working. It's so much more and successful, frankly, because, you know, I really, I just want to learn. I, I, that's all I want. I want to learn
0: yeah absolutely and, and because you know in the end that's that's really what matters you know um kind of spreading the the progressive ideas and and you know values is is what we're all working to do so finding a way to do that i think is so important um and finally a a very interesting uh, you know another very interesting was uh idea you had is the no buts idea um you, you say that anytime you use but when you're working with somebody, it's basically telling them that they're not right. Um, how did you come to that conclusion?
1: Well, I used to do it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great way to like alienate other people. You know, they keep be like such and such. Well, but that won't work. I and mean, then they just kind of shut down. Um, like you know, when you use the philosophy thing and instead, you just create this open space where there are lots of possibilities. Um, I talk about an example in the book of the piece of legislation I worked on actually last year to help um, ensure that Arizona digested all of its funds from the companies that helped fund the genocide in drug And by using and instead of but, I was able to bring people together who really had very different views. There was a coalition I was working with out of DC that was very, very interested in in helping me do divestment. And there were the pension funds in Arizona who were very much opposed to it. And we actually all came together and ultimately agreed on the package because we used the and instead of what. By saying, wait a second, your thought is valid and so is her thought. How can we fit all of these thoughts together and make them all work? And, and it really it's just about keeping an open mind about the possibility that there's more than one way to get there.
0: Yeah, there always is. Um, you know, and takes compromise and, you know, different things like that. You close out the book with a coalition builders toolbox, um, you know, talking about research and creating a message among other things. Um, how did, you know, kind of explain that and, um, how it can be put into work, you know, for, for everybody that picks up your book.
1: Well, it's really, uh, the idea of the Coalition Toolbox is for someone who's like, I'm doing a campaign right now and I need to, like, what I do, oh my gosh, you know? It's like when you get a job and, and you're like, yeah, I can do that work. <laughs> and then, you know, later you're like, I don't know. But the idea <laughs> of the Coalition um, kind of toolkit is to say, you know, what are some key things to keep in your frame? And, and one, I, I think you got to know your, you got to do your research you got to figure out what is it that I need to know in order to win this campaign and I, I use the term research you know really specifically I don't mean go get a bunch of facts and highlight them and tap them and hand them out to people what I mean is figure out what it is that people want what do people understand what do they get and then figure out how to talk to them about that in a way that's truthful and honest so that's kind of the second portion and the third portion is really about being disciplined like you have to if you're running a campaign, you can't go around changing what you're going to do every five or six days because people get confused and they quit and they'll hate you. But, you know, once you figure out a strategy that's going to be effective, just it. You know, do your work. Um, people often think that campaigns and coalitions could just, you know, always oh, just show up and have a meeting. No, it's really hard work. And you have to be really mindful all the time that you're staying on track and that you're doing what you promised you would do. And, and so the toolkit really just says, like, do your research, tell the truth of the system. If you do those things, it will
0: okay. Yeah, it's a great summary, you know, and really gives action items to, to make it work. Um, so I guess something we didn't touch on, um, and you talk about it in the introduction, is how did this book come together?
1: Um, yeah. <laughs> so the way that the book kind of happened was this. I was giving a speech in Washington, D.C., and I was talking about the Earth and together campaign. And at the end of it, um, a woman, to me and she said, I really enjoyed your speech. And I was like, well, thank you. And she's like, um, I'm the editor, you know, of, of, a, of a publishing company. And she said, you want to write a book? And I was like, hmm. And then, you know, I got on the plane and I went home and I thought, oh, but I am not the book. Kind of um, I went out and bought a book. I'm to write a book. Um... <laughs> um <laughs> That's, whenever things go bad in Kirsten's life, I just go get a book. I'm like, okay, I can just read about it off the air. Let's do it. So um, basically, I went and got a book. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, help me learn how to write a book. But really, she helped me through the whole process and taught me you know, how, to, how to learn to talk about um, the work that I had done and the lessons i have learned and other people's experiences and the lessons they've learned. And really, just share it for other people in the hope that it
0: would help them as well. Yeah, that's great. I definitely think it is a a priceless resource. Um, you know, because I know that even though we do have a lot going on in the community, um, you know, not only the the gay community but as progressives, um, it still is going to take a lot of work. Even though we do have increasing numbers, you know, in in DC and and across the country, so. Uh, any final thoughts or uh, anything I didn't cover uh, that you wanted to talk about about the book or where can people get it Hi. and all of that well, good yeah,
1: stuff? Oh, yeah, you can get it at Amazon.com, com, local bookstores. I'm actually doing a book signing in Tempe on Friday, July 17th, and that's going to be at Changing Hands Bookstore, which is on the corner of Guadalupe and the Sunset Road in Tempe. Um, that's going to be fun. My, it's also around the time of my birthday, so... For my birthday each year, I usually do a fundraising to help support the nonprofit that I care about. And this year, I'll be donating my proceeds of book sales that meet me to CORE, which is a local organization that helps refugee students um, apply for and go to college. I have lots of people to come to that. It's 6 o'clock on Friday, July 17th at Trading Hunt Bookstore. And if people can, like, Follow what I'm doing in the book tour. Read about what I'm doing by going to my Facebook page, which is you know, facebook.com/kirstencinema. I have a blog, kirstencinema.blogspot.com. I'm on Twitter. I'm like all over social media. So yeah.
0: and I will if link to all of those of sites.
1: Yeah, if you want to catch up on what I'm doing, that's a great place to find me.
0: Yeah, it's a, uh, and you do definitely keep people posted. I was uh, sitting at home on, was it? Tuesday night as, as the Arizona state legislator is pulling a 24 hour day, um, you know, just, just keeping an eye on Kirsten's Facebook and Twitter and uh, just sitting here terrified for what was happening and, you know, enraged and also kind of uh, uh, moved to, to be more proactive and in changing the face of politics in Arizona. So, you know, I think that's kind of how we all need to approach what's going on across the country, uh, that really no, nothing is going to change if if we just sit back and expect somebody else to do it, so. Yeah. Well, thank you. well, thank you very much, Kirsten. It's a great book. It's a quick read, uh, and especially with those bonus boxes at the end of each chapter, it's a very quick read. <laughs>
1: that was my intent, because we're all really, really busy, and, you know, I don't know about you, I get bored, easy. So the whole idea was to make it quick, snappy, and, like, get you what you need to know so you can move on and go do some good work. I'm all about getting the work done and not about, like, sitting around on my tail.
0: Yeah, that's the only way to make things happen. So, again, thank you, Kirsten, for joining us on Nathan Out Loud. And, everybody, go get the book, Unite and Conquer, How to Build Coalitions That Win and Last, with uh, by our fearless leader, Kirsten Cinema. Thanks again, Kirsten.
2: Um, thanks, Nathan.
0: In this episode of Nathan Out Loud, we are featuring the debut single by emerging artist Matthew David, titled Masquerade. Strong, inspiring lyrics, along with an impressive contemporary rock arrangement, were merged with Matthew's engaging vocal style to create the first release that is fueling the anticipation of his first full-length album. The Vancouver-based singer-songwriter got his start, like many of today's chart-topping artists, by singing in church. Since he was four, Matthew has been exploring and learning the art of performance. At 18, he packed his bags and moved to England, where he studied voice and theater in London's West End. Matthew is currently in the studio, finishing up his debut release, which is due out this fall. You can find Matthew David at facebook.com slash David and myspace.com slash David. Here is Matthew David with Masquerade, unknown. Welcome back to Nathan Out Loud. I'm your host, Nathan Trainer. This week, along with Representative Patrick Murphy's announcement that he is taking the lead sponsorship role on legislation to overturn the U.S. military's Don't Ask, Don't Tell policy, Service Members United, along with the Human Rights Campaign, announced a national tour to repeal the discriminatory policy that in actuality poses a serious threat to our national security. Congressman Murphy announced this week that he has secured over 150 co-sponsors for the legislation and is working toward achieving 218 co-sponsors to guarantee the bill's passage. Voices of Honor features a diverse group of gay, lesbian, and straight veterans who have served under the military's Don't Ask, Don't Tell policy. The tour includes Marine Staff Sergeant Eric Alva, the first U.S. soldier wounded in the Iraq War. Jared Schlapowski, a former U.S. Army linguist who opted not to re-enlist because of Don't Ask, Don't Tell, and is currently a public policy advocate at the Human Rights Campaign. Alex Nicholson, a U.S. Army veteran fluent in Arabic, discharged under Don't Ask, Don't Tell, and is currently the Executive Director of Service Members United. Army Staff Sergeant Genevieve Chase, a veteran of Operation Enduring Freedom and Executive Director of American Women Veterans there are others that are standing united and speaking out for the repeal of Don't Ask, Don't Tell. For dates and locations of tour stops and more information about the tour, go to hrc.org slash Voices of Honor. Congressman Murphy also introduced LetThemServe.com, which allows people to get involved and track the progress of the legislation. For a link to the list of current representatives that have co-sponsored the bill, go to NathanOutloud.com. If your representative is listed, give them a call and thank them for supporting this important legislation. If you don't see their name, please take action and call or write them and ask them to become a co-sponsor. You can reach the Capitol switchboard by calling 202-224-3121. I will also post more information on contacting your congressman or congresswoman on nathanoutloud.com. Well, that's all the time we have for this episode of Nathan Out Loud. I would like to thank Kirsten Cinema for taking the time to speak with us, Matthew David for sharing his music, and of course the greatest podcast producer out there, Patrick. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. You can follow the show on Twitter at twitter.com slash Nathan Out Loud and join our fan page on Facebook at facebook.com slash Nathan Out Loud fans. For the latest on the show and to find the links to everything we've talked about, go to nathanoutloud.com. Thanks again for listening. And remember, come out, be out, live out loud. We'll talk to you again soon on Nathan Out Loud.